Will Eves is an assistant professor at the University of Nottingham, England. He is a specialist of the English common law during the Middle Ages. In this podcast, he offers a survey about equity. An examination of the history of English law is incomplete without consideration of the body of law now known as equity, which developed alongside but distinct from the common law. As we have seen, the English common law developed through the creation of forms of action, which each provided a remedy for a certain type of grievance. These actions were initiated by writ. The actions and remedies available in the common law became fairly standardised by the end of the 13th century. This led to a certain amount of inflexibility as the strict application of standard forms of action and prescribed remedies could sometimes lead to obvious injustice. The response of litigants to such injustices was sometimes to petition the king to correct the matter. By the 14th century, such petitions had become common and the king delegated certain officials to deal with the case. In time, the Chancellor became the official with the most responsibility for attending to these matters. This meant that the Chancery, originally a royal writing office, began to hear more and more judicial business, and the Court of Chancery corrected injustices according to what good conscience required, rather than what was required by the strict application of common law rules. The idea that General laws could not cover all eventualities of human experience and might need to be interpreted according to the requirements of justice rather than the letter of the law can be traced at least to Aristotle's writing on the notion of epiakia. Likewise, medieval canonists had also developed ideas about equitas, that is, fairness or equality, and its relationship to written law. So the practice of the Court of Chancery was not a legal novelty, but it was the first time such considerations had been incorporated into English law in this way, with a court which operated alongside the common law courts capable of providing its own more flexible judgments and remedies to litigants who found themselves caught in an unfair situation by the strict application of the common law. In time, the justice provided by the Chancery, which became known as equity, developed to cover a wide variety of situations, and remedies were created which went beyond the traditional common law remedies of restoration of property or the payment of damages. The equitable rules developed by the Court of Chancery were integral to the development of legal devices such as mortgages and trusts. Trusts provide a good example of how equity works in English law, so let us take this as a brief example. Suppose person A wished to transfer property to person B, but wanted person B to hold and administer this property for the benefit of another person, person C. Person A makes a legal transfer of the property according to the common law. In this way, it's in person B's hands. 
Before making this transfer, person A obtains a promise from person B that person B will hold the property for the benefit of person C. Person B breaks their promise and takes the profits of the land for him or herself. Person C then takes this case to a common law court, but because B is the legal owner of the land, there is nothing the court can do. There are no common law rules about the breaking of promises. However, the breaking of this promise, the breach of this trust, is clearly unconscionable, so C might appeal to the Chancellor's conscience and obtain a judgment against B this way. And through situations such as this, the Court of Chancery developed the law concerning trusts. In these types of cases, person B remained the legal owner, but person C came to be regarded as the equitable owner. Over time, the procedures of the Court of Chancery and the rules of equity became increasingly sophisticated and increasingly formalised. What began as a very flexible system of law hardened into something which was itself quite rigid. What is more, litigation in the Court of Chancery became notoriously slow, even becoming a feature of the Charles Dickens novel Bleak House, um, in which the fictional suit Jarndyce and Jarndyce was Dickens' rights. So complicated that no man alive knows what it means. The parties to it understand it the least. But it has been observed that no two chancery lawyers can talk about it for five minutes without coming to a total disagreement as to all the premises. Reforms were made in the 19th century. The Court of Chancery was abolished, as were the old common law courts, and a new High Court of Justice was created by the Supreme Court of Judicature Act of 1873. This allowed the new English courts to administer both common law and equity. And this meant that litigants no longer had to choose their court, depending on whether they were seeking a common law remedy or an equitable remedy. However, there is a division of the new High Court, known as the Chancery Division, which hears much of the modern litigation arising in England concerning equity.